Church growth is not always easy, but have you ever considered stealing relics in order to solve that problem? Welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and you can follow me on Twitter at J. Dylan Proctor. However, we are not alone here in Cord Purgatory. With me today is Anthony Alegria. Yep, and even I have got someone as well. I'm not sure what he means by that, but also <laughs> with us is, of course, our co-host, Pastor Amanda Sparrow. Yes, and I like how you said we're not alone, um, implying that there may be uh, some special guests that might pop up throughout the yes, episode. Yes, some paranormal guests from <laughs> beyond the realm of falling asleep in the Lord. Always interesting stuff goes on in the life of the church. Anyways, we've got an interesting program for you today. Amanda, what are we going to be talking about? All right, so this is Podcast 63, um, and you can download our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and other podcasting sites. Also, you can subscribe to Kingdom of the Logos on YouTube and Facebook. So what we're going to be talking about today is the theft of the crown jewels, a porpoise found in a graveyard, um, and then after that conversation, we're going to be talking about some um, very interesting and elaborate theft of St. Foy. Yes, yeah, so hang around for that. The theft of St. Foy is absolutely fantastic, and we are alive right now. So do forgive all the problems that are associated <laughs> with that, because there are many. Technology is great when it works, but many times it is spiteful. All right, so, of course, remember you can donate to our program at patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogos. And again, we will be so blessed by your support. Well, let's get into some of these interesting articles. So one of the most fascinating things we have in our world are people who go out to do the antisocial things such as bank heist and jewel heist. Well, those seem to crop up right throughout history. And another one has cropped up in Sweden where they have stole the crown jewels. And this is done in about as theatrical manner as you would expect, even ending with a speedboat. So Amanda, would you share us this story? Yes, yeah, so this article that we'll be kind of getting our information from is from uh, bbc.com. It says, police in Sweden have launched a manhunt after thieves swiped some of the country's crown jewels from a cathedral and escaped by speedboat. Uh, two priceless crowns and an orb belonging to a 17th century king and queen were taken at around midday on Tuesday in Strogenos near Stockholm. And I apologize if I mispronounce any of these names. Witnesses said that they saw two men running from the cathedral, which was open to the public and hosting a lunch affair. Uh, there have, they were seen motoring off into Lake Malarin and have not been seen since. Police have launched a huge search operation, but currently have no suspects. This is a very fantastic statement by the police spokesman. It's one and oh to them right now. Uh, uh, Thomas Angenvik told Swedish media. Uh, he said it's not possible to put an economic value on this. It is invaluable items of national interest. The royal jewels were adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls and come from 16, the 1611 funeral regalia of Swedish Charles IX and Christina the Elder. A witness who is getting married in the Stragonos Cathedral next week told local news channel that uh, he contacted, he was the one who contacted the police. I knew immediately they were burglars because of the way they were behaving. Could be the stolen jewels in their hands, but anyways, that tipped them off. It's despicable that people would steal from a holy building and a historical building. Mr. Agenvik said that the crown jewels would have been kept in locked and alarmed glass displays that the thieves would have to have had to break into. 
No one was hurt, however, during the burglary, but church staff was shaken and local media that the local media reported. All right, so this is one of the things absolutely beautiful <laughs> about high church culture. They always have such fascinating artwork in there, and some of the things that are in there are actually precious things beyond just that which one would expect within the kingdom of God. You also find things which are sort of locally of great value and interest there, such as the crown jewels in Sweden. If you can just imagine being on church staff here and coming in and realizing the crown jewels, which sort of, they're a normal everyday fixture just being in there. Someone has come and has taken them. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. When Amanda was reading this, I couldn't tell if this is an actual news article or is this like a plot for the next <laughs> like action movie that's coming out. Yeah. They slip in when there's a wedding coming, they grab the jewels and they leave. It's fantastic. Um, send us your thoughts, comments. Would you like to have crown jewels housed in your church? And if you did, what would you do to ensure that they are safe? I think that's one of the recurring themes we're going to have today is the precious things that are kept in church. And without further hesitation, let's move to the other interesting thing that was kept in a, well, it's more of a retreat, a, a chapel on an island off of France. All right, so this is uh, Live Science, an article from Live Science, and it says archaeologists were excavating a medieval site on a tiny inlet in the English Channel. They were baffled by a discovery of a dolphin skeleton in what appears to be a carefully prepared grave. The researchers first thought they had discovered a human grave cut into the bedrock of the inlet of Chapelle d'Amphieux, about 900 feet or 300 meters off the west coast of Ghent. Guernsey, one of the largest Channel Islands. Instead, the researchers were astonished to find that the grave held the skull and bones of a sea mammal, now thought to be a dolphin, but originally identified as a smaller porpoise. Yeah, so we read this, and you get to have the choice. Again, send us your, your comments and thoughts. Would you rather have a crown jewel <laughs> housed in your church or your chapel, or would you prefer the porpoise? Um, the dolphin, the porpoise creature, what would you like to have in your church? So you get a variety here in the kingdom of God, of the, the wonderful things which you can have as fixtures here. Um, here in Jolton, we have our own things that we, we have at Trinity, where Amanda is. They have their own nice, uh, I guess you could say, eccentric items. But <laughs> sometimes you get a porpoise, sometimes you get a crown jewel. I don't know. What awesome. do you think, Amanda? What would you, you like? What would I like to have? I, I don't know. Um, I think the porpoise would be less stress. <laughs> it would be. I don't know. The porpoise could cause a lot of trouble. You never know. We, at one point in time, actually the first time I ever came to Jolton Church of the Nazarene was to deal with a skunk. Um, I was a student at the local Nazarene University, and the professor that I had there was a the pastor here. The, the pastor at Jolton before myself was teaching at Trevecca and... She had me come out to Jolton because there was a skunk which had come under the church and ripped apart the AC duct. And I should probably not tell this story because it's going to keep people from ever coming to Jolton. I promise you the church doesn't smell like a skunk. And that was almost 10 years ago, if not 10 years ago, um, right at nine and a half when I first came and dealt with that. So it's cleaned up and I was there. I never even came in the building. I got up there and fixed it. But you always have these animals that come into the church and they want to cause trouble. Um, some people have the church mouse problem. Some people have the church <laughs> skunk problem. Well, for this chapel right there in Guernsey, off of France, they had the uh, porpoise. A church it, porpoise. The church porpoise. I just, but like 900 feet. So, you know, it didn't just kind of like come to church. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah, this, this, just to put some little context here, this was a chapel that's on a small island that if the tides and things are right, you can actually kind of walk out to it. 
uh, where this porpoise was found. And there's a little chapel that was there. They believe that it was used for retreats by monks a long time ago. They would go out to have some retreat and some more private time. And they found this grave, which actually had a porpoise that was sort of put in there as if it was done on purpose. There have been speculations on why they did this. Did they try to preserve it using salts or something? They were planning on eating it later and it kind of become quasi-mummified, something like that. Did it have some sort of significance? No one really knows. We don't have all the answers yet, but we do know that some churches do have a embalmed porpoise in them. Well, and speaking about not knowing the whole story, we actually, I think, have uh, the porpoise for an interview. We're going to do a phone interview with them. Yes, we do. So let's go ahead and we'll take a quick break and then we'll have our interview with the, the porpoise. See what we can find out about him. Thank you for tuning in. Today we have a great opportunity to talk to a very interesting character. I'm on the phone right now with a porpoise, uh, yeah, a porpoise, who was found in a graveyard. So, can you tell me about why you were there? Yes, you see, I am the church history porpoise, and I was on retreat teaching about Eusebius when I fell asleep in the Lord. Oh, that's very interesting. You know, we have a dog here who teaches church history. No, no, I'm His... a porpoise. Y yes. I teach church history. I fought through great demonic dolphins who came up from the south. Their heresies, their oh. misunderstandings and transubstantiation. Oh. The orcas and their pogroms. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that, that seems really interesting. But, you know, maybe we can continue this conversation later. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, please remember to subscribe to Kingdom of the Logos on YouTube and Facebook. Well, that was pretty interesting, wasn't it? It certainly was. Amanda? All right. So, as we continue the theme of odd things in uh, churches, or things moving, uh, church growth can be difficult sometimes, but... Would you turn to theft to get people to come into your church? Uh, so we're going to go back to the 9th century and look at a theft of bone relics and the unusual motive behind the theft. Making a pilgrimage has been a common theme for Christians throughout the history of the church. Christians would embark on physical journey towards specific locations as they pursued transformation, holiness, and inspiration. However, not every monastery in the medieval era had something to attract pilgrims. So how did some monks in Conques, France deal with this dilemma? Well, they devised a plan to steal some from a neighboring monastery. In the year 819, a monastery was founded in Conques, France. It was placed along a route common for pilgrims to travel. However, the monastery itself did not have a lot to offer. Within a few decades, the monks decided they needed to do something to attract pilgrims. Not far away from their location in Conques was a monastery in Agen. This particular monastery in Agen housed the relics of St. Foy, also known as St. Faith. St. Foy was an early Christian who was martyred at a young age. She was executed by Romans in the 3rd century for refusing to make pagan sacrifices. Part of her remains became venerated relics in the church and had the reputation of healing. The monks of Conques saw the relics of St. Foy and they saw that they were good. So they set in motion a long-term theft which would ultimately place these relics of St. Foy in their care. One of the monks from Conques was sent to join the monks in Agen. Over the course of years, the monk would rise through the ranks, getting ever closer to the relics. After about 15 years, the monk 
had reached a position where he had access to the relics, he immediately seized them when given the chance. Without hesitation, he returned to the monastery in Conk, giving over the relics of St. Foy to be housed there. Here was 866 when the relics arrived, and they are still there to this day, and one can find them at the Abbey Church of St. Foy. While the relics were clearly stolen, the monks have never denied their history. They have been open about the plot to obtain the relics in order to preserve the relics' authenticity. If the relics were to mysteriously appear, then there would be suspicion that they were fakes. However, being honest about the theft allows the relics to have a traceable history with verifiable credentials. At the point where it's like, you know, a several decades long plot, you start to think that they almost deserve it. <laughs> well, evidently they, they do deserve it because no one has come to have accountability for, well, I guess the people who per perpetrated this are long um, falling asleep in the Lord, to use that <laughs> language which has come back. But, yeah, they they still have the relics. What do you think about this, Amanda? Yeah, I do think, well, one, it is interesting like that the, the other church that originally had the relics of St. Foy didn't try to, like, you know, any kind of retribution. I don't know how, because I guess, like, you know, the jig is up. They couldn't use the same means, the same plan. But, you know, or they didn't, like, write to their bishop or archbishop or even the pope and be like, hey, that guy, he stole my toy. No, um, they, they stole our relics. Can we do something about it? It is interesting, but maybe it was kind of like live and let live. Yeah, it it is fascinating that they they let them get away with this, but it's also you got to give them credit. Um, I, I get that church growth is not easy, but these people really went to like the extremes. They're like, we're going to get people here, and we've we've got the long term strategy. You always have these meetings where people come and they say, well, what what's your model of ministry? Where do you think you'll be in the the next you know five to ten years? Where do you want your church to be in twenty years? For these people, they were like, well. We're going to infiltrate another monastery. We're going to take the things which are really nice and, and good. We're going to have the goods because we've seen them and we found that they were pretty good. And they're coming back with us. That's our plan. We're going to be here for the future, y'all. Um, and they stuck with it. I, I give them credit. This also would probably make for a better movie than some of the other Christian movies that are <laughs> out there. Like you get some things from, from church history that are really fascinating. This is a really amazing story. Um, I'm really fascinated by it. Though they don't ever seem to be repentant of it. No. They seem to be completely okay with it. They're like, yep, we stole it. We did it because we wanted people to come visit us. But they're very honest about it. They never lied about it. <laughs> so you got to give them that. It's just, just all of that is so fascinating. Um, like stealing was okay because it was for the church, but... Yeah, it, it did seem to get a bit of a pass on that one. Though it is interesting to see, though, there were so many fake relics and things going on in the medieval times. And while St. Faith or St. Foy, depending on which language you're speaking in, uh, she really had what is very characteristic of a lot of the early martyrs. They were basically young Christians who were being deprived of the, the fullness of life here on this earth, and they were choosing to die. And doing that, and there was a lot of inspiration which came out of that moment. I don't want us to detract from actually the the, the history of Saint Faith and Saint Foy when we sort of poke a little bit of fun at the relics that are associated with her. But she was so inspiring, and the the ministry of people who really basically just told the Romans that we're not making the pagan sacrifice, we're going to stand up to this, we're not meeting these demands. When they died, people really did fight and come up with elaborate schemes to be able to access that. They wanted to, to, again, sometimes people make a pilgrimage to a location. Sometimes your pilgrimage is 15 years in another <laughs> monastery so you can steal the goods. 
But people wanted those relics. They wanted to have that connection with people like Saint Faith, and it really is just an absolutely. It's it's amazing to kind of look at that. I think what I would like to see is uh, some Father Brown episodes with all of these things we've talked about. Like, if a uh, what, what is that? Carrie Flambeau, the the, yes. the art thief on Father Hercule. Brown. Yeah, Hercule, Hercule Flambeau. Flambeau. Maybe he stole the crown jewels in Sweden. He was one of the people who got away. It, if anyone has watched Father Brown, actually, all <laughs> three of the things we have discussed in this sound like something from Father Brown. The porpoise. It's bizarre. It's unusual investigation is needed. Somebody stealing the crown jewels, absolutely investigate this. And then that long-term strategy of saying, we're going to have these relics. They're ours. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, well, thank you for watching again. This is Kingdom of the Logos. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can follow us on Facebook. Um, we're going to be coming out with Podcast 63B. We're splitting them apart, so there'll be a little bit shorter videos. But be watching for that. We're going to have fun playing Hot Not or Sanctified. And as we wrap up this, I just want to throw it out there. What do you all think about this? We'll ask Hot Not or Sanctified, give me a one-word answer on the porpoise. Hot or not? Uh, I'll go Sanctified. <laughs> you going Sanctified? Anthony? Definitely hot, man. I mean, like, what an exotic treat and pet to have it's, on, on your grounds. It is an exotic church pet, and I'm saying hot for that one just because it's so bizarre. Bring it on. Um, bring a porpoise here to Jolton. Um, it'll be great. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, imagine the advertising, like, you know, hey, drop by our church. We have a porpoise, by the way. It's yeah, really it does cool. work. Though, don't steal the porpoise like the man we talked about last year who used a baby stroller to steal a shark. Don't do it that way. <laughs> you got to legitimately come by the porpoise, and it's got to be willing to come. All right, the other one, the... Stealing of the church relics. What do y'all think about that? Hot, not, or sanctified? I'm going to go with not. You're going to say not? <laughs> I don't know. They didn't get any kind of retribution or in trouble for that, but I'm going to be the one that says no. <laughs> it is the one element missing from that story is the retribution. Anthony? Not. Not. Ah, I'm going to say not, too. <laughs> there was no there. All right. Well, anyways, thank you for watching. Again, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash kingdom of the logos. And again, have a blessed day.